Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Sooner or later, you will have to experience one of the hardest things in life, the death of a loved one. The Bible does not try to hide this pain. Instead, the Bible is open and honest about it. As we come to Genesis 23, Abraham loses his beloved wife, Sarah. They had been married many years and gone through many ups and downs together. While many might say things like, she's in a better place now, God wants you to know that Abraham was grief-stricken and that God is okay with that. Today's message is for all people. Let's join Pastor Jim in part one of his message, looking forward to a permanent home. Well, as many of you know, Pam and I moved last August. August, nice cool month around here, isn't it? Man, it was hot. Moving, is that a fun experience? No, that is not a fun experience. And how many of you know my wife? Okay, how many of you know my wife to be very, very sweet? Yeah, I know you're like, how did he get her? I can be very charming when I want to be. <laughs> well, at one point in time, we were moving, and my sweet wife, who is not here today, so I can say this, but she'll end up watching it online. She's with our grandson. She, uh, we're moving, and, and Pam hates hot weather. I love it. She hates it. And she was hot, and she was tired, And she looked me right in the eye. And really, moving was her idea. And she said, I will never move again. I intend to die in this house. And I thought, I wonder if she means today. (laughs) Like, is she going to kill us? What's going to happen? Any Star Wars fans here? Yes, any Star Wars fans. I remembered the words of... Admiral Akbar from Return of the Jedi, it's a trap, it's a trap. So I did not answer her. Not easy for a husband, certainly not easy for a preacher. Okay, you want to die here? We'll die here. That's fine. I'm, I'm good with it. Now, it's really interesting. In ages gone by, people did not talk much about sex, but they talked a lot about death. But today, it's the exact opposite. Today, people talk about sex. That's all they talk about. And hardly anybody talks about death. Death seems to be a subject that we can't deal with, that we're not prepared to talk about. Unless, of course, we're moving in August and it's really, really hot. Though that may be the circumstances in which we might talk about it. Last week, it looked like Abraham was going to lose his son Isaac, but he lived This week, Abraham's wife does not. And Abraham has to deal with that painful reality. And as we've been looking through their lives in this series, we recall venturing into the unknown over 4,000 years ago, 2,000 years before, over 2,000 years before Jesus, long time before us, God called Abraham and Sarah to move from where they lived in a place called Haran to leave all of their family and to move to Canaan, known as the Promised Land, home of the wicked, wicked pagan Canaanites. 
And what they were doing was, the title of our message today is, they were looking forward to a permanent home. They were looking for a place where they could settle in for the rest of their lives. Yet, as we've seen, that journey and that time there has been completely full of ups and downs. And so we want to make a few observations of what we see that, that they went through while they were there. If you're taking notes, number one, there'll be three of them. Number one, God's people experienced the sadness of death. God's people experienced the sadness of death. Genesis 23, 1 and 2. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So Sarah died in Kirjoth Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. You know, death is very common. Death is sometimes called the great equalizer. Death is one to a customer. And while I say that it is very common, it's very common except when it's someone you love. And then it's not very common. A lot of people in our church lost loved ones about a year ago at this time. People in nursing homes. It, it, was, it was devastating for them. And Abraham, this, this great man of faith, we really saw him his, coming into the greatness of his faith last week. It says that he mourned and he wept. That doesn't mean, we're not told that he lost his faith in God. That doesn't mean he doesn't believe in the resurrection. That doesn't mean, we're actually told in the book of Hebrews that he believed that God was going to raise his son Isaac from the dead last week. That's why he was so confident. And when God told him to kill his son, but he didn't, then he called it off at the last second. It doesn't mean that Abraham doesn't mean, that doesn't believe in eternal life. He's mourning and he's weeping because he is sad. He is mourning and weeping because he loved his wife. You know, as a, as a pastor, sometimes you end up at a funeral home and you end up close to the family as, as people are coming by and talking to people. And I know that we've all said these things and we mean well. But until you've been on the receiving end of those things, you perhaps realize maybe they're not as well-received as you hope they would be. It's common to hear people say, well, they're in a better place now. Well, that may or may not be true. Sometimes I always want to say, well, how do you know? But I don't want to start a fight there at a funeral. But the people who hear they're in a better place now, even if they were committed followers of Jesus Christ, the person, the people that are standing in the line are standing there going, okay, that's great. They're in a better place now, but I want them here. I don't want them in a better place. I want them here. Other times you'll hear people say something like, well, at least they're not suffering anymore. And inside, you've got the face, kind of the glazed over look. You see the glazed over look. But, the, but, but you know inside, the people are suffering tremendously. They might not be suffering, but I'm suffering. I'm dying on the inside. You say, well, what can I say? 
Well, you know, if you know them well, why don't you just give them a hug? And don't feel bad if your eyes well up with tears too because you're so sad for them. Or why don't you just say to them, if you don't know them well, shake your hand and just say, I'm so very sorry. You have to say it sincerely, not a token. Oh, sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry. Look them right in the eye. I'm so sorry for your loss. Maybe there's something you know about them that's positive you can say. You know, they... I remember that smile of his, or, or maybe you have a story you can tell. You know, one time, I remember he helped me fix my car, or I remember one time she cooked a really great meal for me, or they were really a positive influence on our job. They, they were, they're going to be sorely missed. Something to, to help such people. Quick. Nothing, nothing, there's nothing you're going to say that's going to bring them back. One thing I would say to you, if you know them well, is don't say to them, call me if you need anything. Why is that? Because they're not going to call. You call. Send a text. Hey, you know, God just brought me to your heart today. And if God brings them to your heart, pray for them. I just want to let you know I prayed for you this morning. I love you. Just simple, simple. I'm thankful for this passage because it reminds me that followers of Jesus are not robots, that we are not expected to be immune to grief and sadness. Oh, I do praise the Lord that followers of Jesus have the promise of victory over the grave. That that, but that doesn't mean that death doesn't hurt. And it doesn't mean that your faith is weak because it does hurt. We've seen that Abraham and Sarah, and I'm thankful for this too, they did not have a perfect marriage. They have been through a lot together, and we've seen that pain and sorrow, and if you know people who've been married for a long time, they will tell you that, yes, good times bring people close together, but pain and sorrow bring people really close together. I know for Pam and I, I think that grieving together has brought us closer than anything else. Now, if you do the math and you go back to chapter 12, you realize that they entered the promised land approximately 62 years ago. So they're married over 60 years. They finally had their promised son 37 years ago. So 62 minus 37, they had a lot of years of painful waiting for that promised son. And when you closely go through someone with someone, the loss of a spouse, it's a very, very difficult thing. You know how it goes. The mail comes with their name on it. My mother still doesn't want to take my father's name off her checks. Now, I am the executor of her will, and I can sign on everything. It's very helpful that I have the same name as my father. (laughs) But... Technically, my name is on her checks, but she's like, no, that's your father. He's been gone 20 years. You don't do as much shopping. You don't make as much coffee in the morning. You only make one side of the bed. All those things that annoyed you about your spouse, all of a sudden you wish those annoying things were back. God doesn't expect us to be robots. 
And, and if you know anything about losing someone close to you, sorrow doesn't end when the funeral arrangements end, does it? No, not at all. Sorrow and, and that pain comes to you in waves. And it can, and can last for years and years and years. And here's the interesting thing, and don't be embarrassed. And if you're sitting at home, don't be embarrassed about this. A lot of times when people lose a loved one, they come into church and the floodgates open. And they're like thinking like, oh, Pastor Jim's looking at me from the stage. Maybe I can hide it from everybody else. But he sees me crying. He sees me crying. He's going to think I'm messed up. I already think you're messed up. <laughs> but I know what happens when you come to church and you hear the word of the Lord. The Lord just opens up your heart. And if your heart is full of grief and sorrow and sadness, of course you're going to cry. Because God's doing a work in your heart. Should faith make a difference in our relationships and our marriages? Yes. Should make a big difference. But the reality of this situation in death is this. The deeper the love, the closer the friendship, the more grief we may experience. Last week, we said it was confusing in John chapter 11 when Jesus didn't rush to heal his friend Lazarus when he was sick. But there's another part of that passage that's not confusing, not at all. John chapter 11, verse 1 through 3 says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he who you, whom you love is sick. The one whom you love is sick. And then we said it was confusing. Why would Jesus wait? But let's drop down to verse 35. It's not confusing. John eleven thirty-five. By the way, this is, for those of you who don't have much experience with middle school boys, this is their favorite Bible verse. Jesus wept. You say to kids, what's your favorite Bible verse? All the boys go, Jesus wept. <laughs> they don't know where it is. It's the shortest verse in the English Bible. Jesus wept. Verse 35 says, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, he, he wept because he had to bring him back from the dead. I am not that spiritual. I'm sorry. Maybe you're looking for a more spiritual pastor. I'm not that spiritual. I believe what the text says. He wept because he loved him. So if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're not, I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad that you're here. I'm glad you're watching. Maybe today is the day. Maybe right now God is so close talking about this subject of death that today is the day you are hearing him loud and clear. If you are a follower of Jesus, know this. The same Jesus that wept at the tomb of Lazarus, weeps with you when you lose a loved one. Weeps with you in your lonely despair. Weeps with you when you feel bad that your faith is, is so weak that you can't stop crying. This week I took a verse and I was just meditating on one little section of it. It says this in the book of Hebrews, 
that Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. Now, the context of that is sin. Okay, I, 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 I get that. But just think that for a second. Whatever your weakness is, whether it's sorrow, whether it's loneliness, whether it's sin, wherever you are just weak right now in your faith, it says that Jesus sympathizes with you. He is there with you. He is there alongside of you. And not only is he there alongside of you, he wants to be alongside of you in that. That's how much he loves you. Not only does he want to pull you out of the pit of that, God so loved the world that he gave us his only son that he came down, God became a man, and came into the pit of our sorrow so he could reach out to people and sympathize with them in their weaknesses. Boy, that undoes a lot, a lot of what people say that God wants nothing to do with me because of the way people live or the way I've lived my life. Maybe today you're here, you're a follower of Jesus, you feel like a complete failure. Well, now you know how Jesus feels about you. He wants to come alongside of you. So God's people experience the sadness of death. Number two, God's people are not at home on earth. This is a recurring theme we come across in the scriptures. Verse three, then Abraham stood up from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, some of your versions say Hittites, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Now he's lived there for more than 60 years. What is he saying? I'm not one of you. I'm one of Yahweh's people. I'm not a Canaanite. Give me, and the idea is sell me property. He's going to mention this three times uh, for a burial place among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the sons of Heth answered Abraham saying to him, hear us, my Lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Another version says you are a prince of God. Another version says you are God's chosen one among us. Bury your dead in the choices of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place. None of us will say you can't use our tomb. That's what they're saying. That you may bury your dead. We want to give you a place to bury your dead. Now, on the one hand, you have to really admire the respect that these people have for Abraham, especially after living there for 60 years and being so different than the Canaanites, that says a lot about his walk with God and his ability to communicate with people who don't have a walk with God. That's something right now, Christian, we are going to have to learn and we are going to have to learn it quick. It was an adversarial relationship. And yet, he will not compromise his faith. Death is an interesting thing. Death reminds us how fast life goes, doesn't it? You hear of people dying and you, and you can't believe it. And I've lost a lot of people in my life. You know, I come, most of you know I come from a very large Irish Catholic family. And so I, was, I felt as a kid, my, my grandmother had like 13 brothers and sisters and wives. And all we were doing was going to wakes. Like that's what we did every weekend. 
And yet, interestingly enough, two years ago, the, the, the brevity of life hit me more than it ever has. I had a lot of mentors in the business world, some when I was a, a high school and college kid. But when I started my company, my first company at the age of 24, I, I had two particular business mentors, and they were both about 15 years older than me. And two years ago, they both retired. I never, I never thought they would retire. Like it dawned on me like, oh my gosh. I remember them as, as young men of 40 years old taking me under their wing. And I'm like, you're retiring? You're kidding me. And I thought, man, life is going so fast. Now in Cain and Abraham was a well-known rich guy. Remember back in chapter 14, he, he fought a battle and freed many of the locals, but he still says to them, I'm not one of you. I live here, but I'm not one of you. Interesting. Over 60 years ago, God promised him this land and Abraham still does not own one piece of property. He doesn't own one rock. Why? Because he refused to become a Canaanite convert. He refused, after 60 years, over 60 years, he refused to give in to Canaanite culture. He was still a follower of Yahweh. While it appears the Canaanites are being very generous to him, he will not bury his wife in a Canaanite tomb. Perhaps he's thinking there's an unholiness about it. Perhaps thinking that once her body decomposes, they'll probably just use the tomb again. But Abraham says, thanks, but no thanks. I want to buy a tomb from you. I want to have my own place where we can bury our own people. The whole thing is very interesting to me. Although he has the promises of God and the rights to the promised land from God, like Jesus, he humbles himself before these guys as a man who has no rights. Another great example for us. Another great example for us. The more we fight for our rights, and I'm not saying we don't speak up, but the way we speak up matters because we're just going to alienate the mission field that God has given to us. So we have to be very, very careful. You say, that's a, that's a real tightrope. We got to walk here. You better believe it is. And Abraham has walked that tightrope for over 60 years. Let him serve as an inspiration to us. There's a woman who lives down the street from me. I don't know how old she is. I don't know. I don't even know if she lives down the street from me. But the same time I leave for church every morning, I would say she's in her 80s. She is zipping down my road, walking. And it's a cut through street. So I don't know where she lives. And I just rolled down the window and I said to her this morning, I said, you know, you're an inspiration to me to keep on move, keep on keeping on. And Abraham's an inspiration to me too to keep on keeping on in the midst of a land where you feel like a complete stranger. Their reaction to him makes me also think that Abraham was also known as a fair and honest businessman. But notice this business deal comes to him. Hey, it's free. And Abraham says, no, I, I can't do this one. Those of you who are out in the business world, 
I, I can say this as the business world pastor. You have to learn how to adapt doing business with the world. I became a follower of Jesus five years after I owned my own company. <laughs> what an adaptation that was. Remember, there was a guy that I was, I was paying off to get business from him. And so I, I was, he was in New York City, and I went to meet him in a bar. That's where he hung out during uh, lunchtime, liquid lunch. And so I went over to him, and, and his bar, and he was faced this way, and I tapped him on the back, and I said, hey, I just want to let you know that I can't pay you off anymore uh, for the job. And he says, why? And he said, I said, I'm a Christian now, uh, but I'll still give you good service. And he looked at, he looks at me and toasts me and says, have a nice life, and turns around and keeps drinking. And I had just bought a brand new truck. I was like, oh no. Yeah, there's going to have to be adjustments. There's going to be times when we're going to have to just say to certain people in business dealings as followers of Jesus, no. I'm sorry, I can't do that deal. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.